Tom Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, Million Dollar Agent. How are you going? Really well. Very, very, very well. In fact, <laughs> I think that was our doorbells just rung. That's all right. Someone will answer it. So we were, we were just, just before coming on the podcast, <laughs> we were just saying, do you notice how some of the other podcasts out there on iTunes are far more authentic? You can hear dogs barking in the background. You can hear the air conditioning going off an alarm bell. And right on cue, the doorbell rings. Yeah, that's what makes it uh, so authentic. Gentlemen, how are we? Good. I'm pumped today because this subject right now is the hottest subject across Australia and New Zealand, and that is guys and girls are saying that, hey, um, it's not as easy as it was a year or two years ago to put a deal together. Like, there's still buyers there. There's lots of people coming through open for inspections. But it seems that when you get to that final stage of putting the deal together, the fear of missing out is no longer there, which was market-driven for, for buyers. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, real estate agents are finding that, hey, what was working before is not working now. So, John, I know that you believe that negotiation is one of the key things that an agent brings to the table. Yeah, well, I think it, it starts a long time before that, Tommy. It actually starts with the mindset of the people that are listening now because if you actually buy into the fact that it's quote-unquote hard, tough or whatever, it's just a change. The market has changed. So we know it's different, but it's like the other day we were talking, Troy, you and I were talking about you know tough conversations and and David Mills calls them um, real conversations. He just reframes it because a lot of people say, oh, I've got to go and have a tough conversation with my vendor. And, and he, in terms of thinking internally, he just says, well, I just need to have a couple of real conversations with my agents to get them on the right page and to get them into momentum. So I think it's the same with this market, Tom. Anyone that's been in the industry, let's, let's say most parts of the industry, because not every market in Australasia is identical, but most people in the last four or five years have been through a pretty good market, right? We know that, certainly in the big capital cities in, in most parts of Australia New Zealand. And right now, the demand and the pressure on prices and buyers is less than it was. So that's a reality check. So I'm not saying let's pretend that it's as good as it was you know, in the old-fashioned language. But what I'm saying is it's, it's good agents now are seeing this as a better market for them because vendors actually now really need, and I think they know that, they need a high-quality agent, good negotiator, they need to hear the truth and they need to have a serious strategy that's going to get them to the other side. The other side being a sale price at the best possible outcome. Um, when the market was booming, you kind of give the key to anyone that was kind of looked like they had half a clue. If they said, I'll give you a cheaper fee, I'll pay your marketing, you knew that there was going to be 10 buyers at most auctions. So it was kind of for vendors, they were not as focused intently as they are today on getting the best agent. So I, most of the agents in our team, Troy, that I'm talking to, they're excited. The, good, the, the best ones, they're all good, but the best ones are saying, this is the market to grow market share in right now. And there will be a shake out of the market. I was about to say before, anyone that's entered the industry four or five years ago, um, here we go, real TV again. We're on the flight <laughs> Real <path> TV. <laughs> Guys, this is, what's happening, this is what's happening at your listing presentations, that's right? That's right, distractions. This is part of the appeal, right? This is what we always say. Part of the appeal of this podcast is that it's authentic and real. You hear everything. So if you started four or five years ago and you, you've never been through a market where it's shifted, as it has in most areas, some people are panicking. In fact, some already got out of the market. They've found it's too hard. Um, some are panicking and wondering whether they're going to be able to survive it. My view is or you just stay calm. This is a market where if you if you take control of the listing, 
you set it up right, you have authentic, honest, data-informed conversations at the front end of the process with the vendor, you absolutely put, to, put into practice a high-quality, confident marketing strategy, and every single day you work the property and you work the property, you can still sell all your listings for good outcomes, great outcomes in, th- in 30 days. That's my experience and my observation. Um, so I think we should talk through that a bit. So to your negotiation comment, I agree 100%, Tommy, that negotiation now more than ever is important, but yeah, that's not where it starts. It actually starts in the mind of the people listening here today. Are you going to see this like most of my top agents are as a great market to grow market share? Do you understand that every property is saleable quickly at the right price to the right buyer? Now, will they get the same price? In some instances, the answer is no. They might have got a million dollars a year ago, and maybe the real number today is 930. That's a, that's a process and a conversation where you have to take control of that. And agents that are out there still valuing property at 12 months ago value, if it's no, some markets might be the same, but a lot of markets have come back. So you, you, you have to be firstly confident around your process and, and recognise this is not a market to panic, this is a market to grow your market share. Two is, you, you know, order taking, as you put it before, Tom, that was possible before. Just give me the key, give me a credit card for some sort of marketing and I'll get it sold. Just let me open it next Saturday. And generally it would. You actually now need to apply, thank God, again, a professional sales approach. So the people that will shake out are the people that are not professional and that used to wing it and get away with it. That's not going to work anymore. Yeah. So, so I, think, I think it's a good market. Okay, so... Um John, the guys at uh, Ivan Bresic uh, said to me that roughly he thinks that it's down 10% prices mm-hmm. in his market. He goes, you've got to understand pricing in this market. Yep. The second thing is that what I'm hearing a lot of good agents say is that they're happier because there was a strategy that was taking place which was called copy and cut. So an average agent would copy what another agent was doing but just cut the fee and get the business. Yep. Copy and cut can no longer work yep. in real estate. Um, so, John, let's go through the sorts of things a great agent is doing at the buyer level and at the vendor level <coughs> to help um, bring resolution to transactions in 2018. So it always starts with the vendor because that's the beginning of the relationship, really. So with the vendor, Tom, there's a few things. One is I think you need to be able to relay confidence and the same confidence and calm that I spoke about with the vendor. And that doesn't mean it's rose-coloured glasses stuff. We'll get you what we would have got you a year ago, because I don't disagree with Ivan. I think 5 to 10% in most markets we deal in is a real number. So I think you've got to be able to sit down and talk through the vendor, understand, as always, what are their goals, what are their needs, why are they selling? And reality is, if they're selling to buy in a similar market, it's kind of like pretty easy conversation yeah you know tom your value might be a little bit different from where it was a year ago but so is going to be the value of the property you buy so i think we're in a really fortunate position that we're we're transacting in a similar marketplace so i think that that as long as you are across where your market's at and and ivan as an example he's an expert he knows his few square kilometers like no one else on the planet so he's a he's a great example there um so i think that's really critical and and uh, you know you have to be able to if you're over-promising on price in the old market or the previous market, you'd often get away with it. Whether you overpriced strategically, which I hope none of our listeners do, 
or you overpriced through making a mistake, the market but, but probably... John, you so beautifully and eloquently explained um, that Zoom webinar we did three weeks ago um, where you talked, there was a particular segment, and actually that's the bit that I, I cut out and put on social media, and I can't remember if you saw it, Troy, where John said, the great news is, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, we don't have to make a decision today. We are not under pressure to mm. have to work exactly what this price is. Yeah, you know? today's not the day yeah. to have to make a decision on price. Today's the day to choose the agent that you feel confident in, you trust, and you think can, can carry out the business. So it, it's, it's the, the whole pricing, like I said, you could wing stuff a year ago and a rising market kind of covered a whole multitude of potential sins, Troy, or shortcomings. Mm. Not not sins, I mean, it's not everyone is out there that misprices does it on purpose, but some do. So I think it's really important. The vendor wants to feel like they're with an agent that's confident still in the market, confident in their ability, and has a plan to maximise price. Um, so I think that's... How that's important right. is it to be trying and in, extracting offers out of the market um, over the weeks. I mean, a lot of people say there's nothing more powerful in the education of a vendor by being able to, to provide figures that buyers talk about in the value. Yeah, I think it's a good point, Tom. There's no doubt some companies over the years have taught that as a strategy. Um, I've, I've never liked to teach it as a strategy because it, it, it's always felt to me as though that was a part of educating the vendor. Um, uh, and, and some people used to call it conditioning the vendor, yeah. and that actually meant conditioning the vendor. My view is, I think, my mindset was always, when the, age, when the vendor signed the agreement, when their pen left the page, it's on the market. Yeah. Assuming we have a contract in some states, you can't start selling it until you do. So the, the question is, getting straight to work and getting qualified buyers through the property quickly and early, I think is a brilliant strategy. My coaching to my team is around get five people through in the first week, qualified buyers, what I would call a soft launch. Generally, people don't go to the open market in the first week. They're getting photos, signboards, floor plans taken. So often the sec second week's when it goes to market. So I would like to get at least five qualified buyers through in that first week because that will give you either A, offers, Tom, or B, great feedback. And it's it, for me, that's a really good starter to the conversation because if you haven't firmed up or finalised a price at the listing, you're having a discussion on price, but if that's still a bit fluid, then you want to make sure that by the time you go to the open market, when you get this surge of buyers, that you're having discussions that are in line with what their expectations are going to be. So I think, um, you know, soft launch, um, getting at least five, so I just picked the number five because for me it was doable within a week. Um, I don't think you need 10 or 15 buyers in that soft launch period. After, if you've got five and you pick the right five, so these are people that are pretty much ready to go, they're educated on the market, you'll get great feedback from five people. One or two, probably not enough because you just don't know where their head's at at that point. Five, you're going to get a good cross-section. So I think you know, as a, you've got to have a plan. As an agent, you've got to have a plan. Sometimes Some agents are, great, I've got a new listing, so I'll ring up the photographer and I'll, the first opens in two weeks. That's a plan, but it's not a terribly good one. So, so my plan is on the market straight away, sense of urgency surrounding buyers. You've got to be working with 25 to 50 hot buyers at any one point. Work out who are the best four or five and get them through in the first week. Then go to open market, having had the benefit of some more in-depth conversation with the vendor. So I think that's where it all sets up regarding um, you know, getting the, the price. You know, I, I often say to people that 
the property sold at the listing, really. Yeah. If you get the vendor under control, they understand the process, they understand the strategy, they understand that market value is dependent upon the age of the buyers, uh, all of that, you're at a much stronger position when you do get your first offer. And by the way, if you get a good offer or two from the first five, it's fantastic. It's a bonus. The same applies for buyers. Everything you just said about the vendor, you kind of have to have that same philosophy with the buyers. Yeah. Providing them information that helps them make an authentic or relevant um, decision to go ahead and offer on the property. A lot of the time we've gone through the process and actually only last week I was randomly, as I do, send an email to an agent that was selling a property. I got a price range of a million dollars variance on comparable sales. And Hang on, you were thinking you were like I was, a buyer? I was inquiring. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I was playing the buyer's hat and I was yeah. inquiring just because it was a nice house that needed to work and I always right. love doing those types of things. You're increasing your portfolio even more. I wish. Tom, there's I not wish. much left for the rest of us. <laughs> no, it's, that's, that's, he's, he's snapping notion. up properties like Warren Buffett. This I, is I amazing. Wish, I wish, but I was given back comparables of a million dollar range. He's dro- he's John, he's, he's, <laughs> he's showed up today. I said, where's your car? He says, I Ubered it. I've been using Uber. So you're... Forking all the, out of the... You're smart. You're doing what that Chris Grace is. Don't spend your money. Actually, he shouldn't. He's, he's driving that place car with us. He's the last person in the world I should be talking about, right? He's a great, he's a great guy, Chris. He's a good guy. But, um, but, but Troy, anyway, let's get back. We'll, we'll talk about your property the, portfolio after. It was simply an inquiry. It was well and truly out of my range. So you're saying that there was a million-dollar range? Range on comparable sales. And I just, to me as a buyer, I automatically discounted that property because... I knew that. Hang on, so he was saying it's worth three and you your comparable was saying it's worth two or something like uh, that. he was saying, yeah, from one to two. That was, oh, okay. That so was his range sales. was a million. A million dollar range. Well that's a, was, well, one is it's illegal, I think. Bizarre. Well, by the law. Yeah, at the well moment. that's um, that that is uh, against the law of uh, and depending on what state that was, it's pretty much all states now and Correct, correct. So that was the first yeah. thing. But also I lost automatic trust with that agent. Right, because I was thinking in the back of my mind, is it this price or is it this price? At least give me comp- some comparable sales that yeah. I can make an educated well, decision. That's a great case study, Troy, because that's sloppy agency. So, by the way, you may or may not have been a genuine, qualified, ready-to-go buyer. I don't know whether you were or you weren't. But the fact that you were making the call, he had to assume you were. And he's already put you off, and we talk about this a lot, Tom. You need to make it easy for people to buy, yeah. not to buy at their price, but to yeah. buy. Um, and so we talk about price guides a lot, mm-hmm. which I know you can't use in Queensland, but you know most parts of Australia and New Zealand, you can use price guides. So if you'd have put on that property 1.6 to 1.75, and that was your range, you'd have then rung him up and said, look, yeah, that's kind of my range, tell me more about it, and you might have by now seen it. But because he said 1 to 2, which is kind of a nonsense quote, really, mm-hmm. um, and you might have had 1.5, and you might think, I'm not going to waste my time, because if he says 1 to 2, he probably means 2 plus. Correct. You know, or adding ten percent on top of it, you know, off the top of the top end of the guide, that kind of mindset goes into. It's a really buyer. good. I mean, I'm, I love these working case studies like this because that's a great example of how that particular agent is potentially making the market look worse than it is. Because mm. here you are, interested buyer maybe, ready to go, and you've just dropped off. So he's potentially lost one buyer. Now, throughout a campaign, if he continues to quote or she, I don't know, um, one to two million and be sloppy like that, they might lose 10 or 15 buyers. Yeah. So my view is properly, property well handled at the listing, appropriately priced in line with comparables, as you said, um, where you have a strong uh, marketing campaign to support it and you work your buyer responses professionally mm. and diligently and enthusiastically 
with with authenticity. So if, I were, if I were him or her, I'd have rung you back by now and say, Troy, you inquired about that. You didn't come through the first open. And you might then say, at least you get a second bite at the cherry. You might say, oh, look, to be honest, you said one to two. I'm kind of on the first half of that. And he could at least could have said, well, you know, I've got feedback that that's around the money, early ones, yeah. one, two to one, three. So I'd love you to come along. That's good salesmanship. And I think that a lot of agents are making the market look worse than it is because there are still people out there. Let's look at the underlying underlying drivers that have driven the market in most parts of Australasia. We've got record low interest rates, tick, still remains. We've had a good economy, still seems pretty solid. You know, Australia and New Zealand's economy are amongst some of the best in the world. We've had a shortage in terms of supply of property. That's still the case in both countries. There's not enough property to satisfy demand. You've had overseas investment. Well, that's dropped off a little bit, yes. That's, that's not as strong as it was, but there is still overseas interest in Australia. In fact, I was speaking to a, a developer from Asia recently, Tom, last week, and they were saying to me that there is no way in the world, and, and they're from China, uh, no way in the world that we won't see a resurgence of Chinese money coming here. He said it's gone a bit quiet. A lot of them got in early during that kind of boomy period. They made their purchase. Then things tightened up in China, they tightened up here in terms of overseas investment, so they've kind of gone a bit quiet for a while, but he says it's going to come back. So you look at the underlying drivers of interest in this country or these countries from Southeast Asia in particular, record low interest rates, strong economy, shortage of property supply, attractive lifestyles. You know, you go to Auckland, Sydney, Perth, wherever you go, they're all attractive lifestyles with great education, great environment, all the things the rest of the world, in particular Asia, is looking for are here. None of those except a short-term pullback in overseas interest have changed. So I think there's every reason to believe that, you know, right now we're just in for a nice solid market for the next mm. few years. I, I, there's mm. no need. Now, some buyers that didn't get into the market are hoping for worse than that. They're hoping for another 10% on top of Ivan's 10% you know, market correction now. They're hoping for another 10 I don't think that's going to happen. So the next thing I think we need to do is, and we've spoken about this a lot, you know, I got it from Herb Cohen, who wrote a great book called You Can Negotiate Anything, is care but not that much. Mm. That is never to be misconstrued, Tommy, as you know, as be laissez-faire, be complacent, be arrogant. It's, nothing could be further. But it's around saying, Tom, hey, if this property at a million two is not for you, there's no problem. I'll keep looking till I find you something. Mm. And you're saying, yeah, but I like this, John, but I think it's only worth one one. And then... I have to have, by the way, a great response for that. I understand. I could t- certainly see why you'd like to buy it at 1-1. I'd like to do it myself. And in fact, I know a lot of other buyers would. But Tom, here are the reasons I believe at 1-2, which is around asking price right now, this is still represents great value in a new market. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have the comparables, Troy. You know, yeah. here, here and here. Um, I was just talking to Damien West. We've just listed, very fortunately, Julian Cress from The Block the producer and the creator. Amazing block. property. Great, great. You know, if anyone here is listening in real estate, either wants to buy it or go and look at it, it's just a great piece of real estate in Annandale. It's a 400 square metre, uh, very funky residential warehouse in um, Johnson Lane. Johnson Lane. Johnson Lane. It's a very big block for Annandale too, isn't it? I yeah, yeah well, that, that's, the, the, that's the, the, the size of oh, the property, right. but, the, but the land is... Uh, the land's big as well. The land's it? about 250 right. metres, yeah. Which is still so, quite yeah, large for quite the Quite large. Yeah. Anyway, it's just cool. Go, go and check out Damien. He's also a brilliant agent and a lovely guy. Um, but um, just talking to him about comparable sales, and, and I spotted one that was for sale in Little Riley Street, which is very tiny block, inner city Darlinghurst. Some would argue a better location. I actually think the Annandale location is a bit better when you look at the streets and so forth. But 
anyway, we had this chat the other day. Yeah. That one is internally about 100 square metres. It's 90 on the top floor, and downstairs you've got a double garage and you've got a bit a of... Small area. Whereas Damien's is kind of like 320, 330 plus the garaging. Yeah. So his is, let's arguably saying it's at least three times bigger. <clears throat> and his is fully renovated. The other one at Little Riley is unrenovated, right? So you look at it, and Damien's thinking four plus, you know, let's say four to four and a half in that kind of 10% range. And I think the other one, they were quoting high two, twos. Two six to two eight. Two eight around it's got to have a million dollar spend on it. So it's actually going to come up to close to. So a great agent, which Damien is, would be across that. Yeah. And they'd be saying to buyers, you know, you, you, you know I, I can understand why you might like to buy it under four, but here's why I think four plus is a really great value range. And then you, you t- talk them through. Because everyone out there now wants to buy things well, cheaply, yeah. if, ideally, if they can. Until they actually get really strong evidence to say, you know, you are going to waste your time. There is very good evidence to say that at four to four and a half, this is bang on the money. And then all of a sudden, you help them justify it. Whereas if, if they say, well, look, I think it's worth three and a half, and you have no response to that, Tom, you're actually almost condoning their their view. If you say, oh, well, I think it's worth more, well, then, then it's a battle of egos. Whereas if you say, here's why, Tom, I believe that in the range that I'm quoting you, this is excellent market value. Well, you, John, bang, bang, bang. You can't say, here's why, unless you know why. Correct. Knowing why is you've got to be the person that's the Google of that marketplace that's gone off, knows the sales that it took place in the last seven days, not the last seven months. Yeah. And ideally... Um, and many of the great agents now in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, or, or all over Australia, have their team members at least have driven past the outside, gone in many times, taken notes of other properties. So whenever they're having conversations, real conversations with buyers, they can say, hang on a second, number 27 Annandale Street has got this and this and this. We know that you know the kitchen needed work or what have you. The, the point I'm making is I reckon that having product knowledge is probably one of the biggest strengths in a marketplace like this in negotiation. The other thing is, Tom and John, you've got to have that conversation on the phone. You've yeah. actually got to have that face-to-face or on the phone. You can't do that via email because yeah. email can be open to interpretation. Definitely send through those comparable sales and get an understanding of where that's yeah. at. But you need to, as John just said perfectly, you need to be able to say and justify the value of what the comparables are. Yeah. Because if you just look at something yeah. on paper and you see the facade of the building, you don't necessarily know the benefits mm. of that property. Mm. Give you a little case study. A friend of mine referred some business to one of our guys, and unfortunately we didn't quite get it. We didn't, we didn't we get didn't it, get not quite get it. Yeah, not quite it. You know, the feedback that he got, not that we got, but it was independent, was it was kind of neck and neck, but the other people had a bit more momentum in the market than our agent did, and that kind of swung them, which is which is fair enough, and that can, that can happen. Anyway, it was interesting. It was... Uh, about a $2.5 million house was this property. The agent who they chose, who's, who's in massive momentum, and a very good agent, they sold that property. In, in the conversations that they were having, the guy mentioned that his mother or mother-in-law who lived nearby, same street I think, had a similar property that was thinking of selling in the near future. He sold the property before auction. He then said, I've got three or four people left, in, left over. Would your mother-in-law consider selling now with a long settlement? They put the question, they said yes. Sold the mother-in-law's property for a similar amount of money, or the mother's property. Then sold her an apartment. So because of energy, salesmanship, proactivity, 
they turned a $2.5 million transaction into a $6 million transaction. Yeah. Whereas a lot of agents yeah. wouldn't have done that. Yeah. They would have said, oh, why don't you let us know when she's ready and you know, we're there and whatever. But he yeah. got on the front foot, not, not in a pushy way, I'm told extremely professional, and just said, would she consider with an extra... So creativity yeah. solves these problems. So you, you know, rather than saying, well, you know, wait for six months, we can do the deal now, but get you a six-month settlement, would that be in- of interest to you? So you know, great professional salesmanship is going to win the day right now. The best agents will write more money now than they wrote a year or two ago because there's going to be a fallout of agents because some are just our order takers, as our, as our podcast this week alludes to. Um, and the best people, they're, they're going to be more in demand than they've ever been. Yeah. So I think, you know, how do, how do we summarise this? We, we say it starts with your mindset, as always. Yeah. The, the listing is critical to the end result, yeah. really important. You have to have a strategy to get it on the market, to get it confidently sold, to create competitive tension is the other thing we, you know, we spoke a little bit earlier when we were talking about this podcast. Um, the other thing is buyers, if they think they're the only buyer on it, will take yeah. a certain approach. Yeah. If they think there's three, four or five others, now that could be at an auction, it's clear, but it also could be at an open for inspection. It also could be in dialogue, and I always say to our team, you never invent buys because inevitably you'll get caught out, and if it's, it's again, hopefully it's against your ethics. So you just, I mean, there's no commission check that's worthwhile living a, a life yeah. that's different to the the way you really think you should be living your life. But if you create competitive tension, so we were speaking the other day, I was doing some coaching with some guys, and the vendor um, who we were there talking talking with. And the vendor said, well, I don't want to do open for inspections. And I said, well, would you be comfortable with us allocating a private time that's not publicised, but we tell some interested buyers? And they said, well, yeah, you could do that, but isn't it easy to bring them through one at a time? I said, well, yes and no. I don't know about easy, but I'm here about maximising price. And if I have an appointment every 15 minutes, 2, 2, 15, 2, 30, 2, 45, and 3, and I have five buyers, there's going to be some overlap there. People seeing someone driving in as they're leaving, people even simultaneously viewing the property and I know that creates competitive tension mm. the only way to maximise price Troy is competitive tension so you've got to have a plan you've got to have a soft launch plan you've got to have a care but not that much plan you've got to have a competitive tension plan uh, you've got to have vendor dialogue plan when the vendor says oh, none of those things are accidents by the way everything you've just said there is got clear intention yeah. and a process of doing it and it just doesn't happen by itself. Yeah, it's real. It's, it, success doesn't happen by itself. Mm. You know, maybe winning lotto, but other than that, it, everything happens by design. And everyone that's listening to this can put all of what we've talked about today into, into practice straight yeah. away. Or you can sit there and think the market's flat as a pancake, which it's not. You know, ask Alex Phillips, is the market flat as a pancake? The guy's probably doing 25, 30 auctions every month or two. Like a couple of weeks ago, I think he had 42 opens. Alex. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, a freak. Me, Josh, he's like a freak. unbelievable. I'm just having, I have pretty much daily conversations with Gavin Rubenstein. He's listened to, uh, mate, what he, Gavin's telling me that he's having, he's, uh, um, he's asking you to speak at his conference, John. That's another message. There. Yeah. We'll talk about that after, <laughs> Gavin. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm flipping through. The other night, he best night ever of um, selling real estate under the hammer. Like having, there's a lot of agents at the moment that are having just incredible um, uh, well, well, the other thing is the media, in a sense, is educating vendors too, Tom. Let's get real about that. That 
Uh, I think now we've gone beyond, certainly I'll talk about Sydney because that's where a lot of our listeners are and where we're probably the most familiar with. I mean, six months ago, it was what you might call a, a transitioning or shifting market. Uh, we're picking up that flight path again, Troy. There, there we go. Yes. <laughs> have to move. Um, so right now, most people are aware, as, as Ivan's put it, that there's been a correction in values in most markets. So you don't have to go in with a sledgehammer, no. say to the vendor, you either go in and say, look, the market's great. If we, if we price it accurately, is it as good as it was 12 months ago? Well, let's test the market and see. And most evidence would say the market's come back a bit in value, but my job is to maximise your price. So let's put all our energy today into discussing about how we do that. Let's not lament the market. Did you miss the boat? I don't think so. You've still got a great property in a really good market. And you've told me you're going to be buying up the road in a similar market. Yeah. So it feels to me like, the boat hasn't gone anywhere. Let's just get into it. And people like that confident approach. Yeah. They don't want to hear the woes. Oh, geez, you know, I wish you'd have sold six months ago. Oh, well, it's not as strong as it was. We only had three buyers per open last week. You know, people, people don't want to hear that. They want to hear a confident, enthusiastic, positive approach. So um, hopefully in that little session there we've had a That was a good podcast, value. Troy. I mean, uh, I think that's 25 minutes or thereabouts. Close to 30. 30 minutes? Yep. Time okay. flies when you're That's amazing. Fun. They're getting amazing value. I mean, everything's free, so every, <laughs> every bit of minute is incredible value. So uh, I want to thank our sponsors, realestate.com.au. May I mention that over the next four weeks, the Momentum events that are uh, joint events between um, REA and News Corp around the country, Adelaide, Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, uh, Perth, uh, Canberra. So I want to thank, and by the way, I actually think realestate.com, one of the reasons when a company has got momentum, it's companies that are like REA and in this new um, economy that make transparency on who's got momentum. I mean, the reality is all you've got to do is look at the agent's name, um, Google it, look at just sold, and you can see exactly that one agent has sold 100 properties in Haberfield and one agent has sold 40 properties in Haberfield. And I think if you're the 100 agents in Haberfield person, you can easily look the vendor in the eye and say, it's not how much I'm going to discount, it's how much that other agent that sold 40 is going to have to discount, you know? Shout out to Tringali, Michael Tringali. He loves it, Michael Tringali. And you know, every time we get a shout out, Everyone, except for Tom Panos, gets free salami for some reason. You, have you ever it been given be any time. of his, 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 his salami? Uh, I've had, yeah, I have had a piece or two. Um, I've been in his house. The but. best salami on the planet. Don't inundate him because I'm on a very exclusive VIP list. And <laughs> that, 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 Tom that, can't make the list. He, he's into my, uh, Tom, he's, he's, never give, he's never given to me. He's, he, he's actually, and he actually, he actually. All I said to him is once I said, "Mate, I find it surprising I don't live far away from you." You know, Greek, Italian, all these factors there, and he said. Uh, uh, no worries, I'll look after you. And then the next thing I know, he's telling other people, even Tom wants my salami. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, guys. Good to see you. We will see you next see week. See you next week. Next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.